Honey, it's our favorite time of year, and I got you something to celebrate. <gasps> a McRib? It's just what I wanted. Happy McRib season, sweetie. Mm, I love you. I love you, too. Mm. Actually, I was talking to my McRib. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I'll leave you two alone. Right now, enjoy a McRib meal and get another tasty McRib sandwich for just a dollar. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Honey, it's our favorite time of year, and I got you something to celebrate. <gasps> a McRib? It's just what I wanted. Happy McRib season, sweetie. Mm, I love you. I love you, too. Mm. Actually, I was talking to my McRib. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I'll leave you two alone. Right now, enjoy a McRib meal and get another tasty McRib sandwich for just a dollar. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hello, everybody out there in uh, YouTube land, or not YouTube land, uh, internet uh, universe. This is uh, the delicious recipe with the Dell here on uh, UPRN Radio, Monday night, 9 p.m. Uh, our banner there tonight there is uh, Holy Donuts and uh, Magical Fluff. So I guess what the, the part of it is, is uh, I've been noticing over the past few months and uh, getting into it a little bit, there is about the topic about uh, hollow earth, um, portals, and uh, different parts uh, that have uh, sort of, and uh, finding lost civilizations there now too. Uh, recently, uh, they've been finding uh, uh, other uh, uh, parts of uh, culture there in the Mayan uh, area in South America, uh, where they've uh, originally done uh, uh, surveys and uh, exploration. And with uh, what we're finding there today, I guess, is uh, with their advancement in technology and our uh, advancement in uh, survey gear as well is uh, with LIDAR radio, we can uh, cut through the vegetation and uh, even uh, see a little bit better down deeper into the earth. And uh, they find uh, places they've gone over already. They've, they're finding uh, artifacts, uh, other parts of civilization, buildings, uh, large buildings, almost pyramid size. Um, even off of uh, Greece there over the past uh, 10, 15 years and even recently they're finding more and more uh, ancient uh, artifacts and uh, statues and buildings uh, that uh, relate to parts of our history from our long forgotten past. And I guess uh, with a thing with me uh, being who I am and uh, being always the person that asks questions why and uh, having a scientific background uh, in environmental engineering and uh, also with construction and uh, also with food there too, apprentice chef and that I had a sort of a wide flavoring of uh, different uh, different backgrounds and always have different questions and I always have a very skeptical and open mind about uh, different things that we're finding there and one thing that I've always sort of had a question about there too is uh about our ancient history and uh the stuff that they've uh, told us in school uh, from grade school the programming that was given to us was in a very precise uh this is the way that we progressed through civilization 
But uh, if you look back into the stories of uh, through different uh, religions and uh, historical texts, back to Sumerian texts, uh, uh, even with uh, Old Testament stuff, that uh, if you go into the religious aspect, um, and then uh, other uh, religions as well throughout the world, and uh, different uh, continents throughout the world, you see similarities in some of the the stories that have passed by uh, or have uh, been passed down through the ages. And uh, that's the part there that uh, I sort of always found sort of interesting there is that the way they've uh, taught us in school, the way our history was, is that uh, the earth was formed. Uh, we were in some sort of primordial, primordial soup and uh, we all popped this uh, one celled organism that uh, continued on that diversified and created every single life form on earth, which is a question I've always sort of had a, a weird thing about evolution. I'm not a real big evolution fan. I'm sort of a more like I believe in God. I'm sort of like in the creationist sort of part of it though, but I also am scientific. And I think there's a little bit of each part that's to this whole story of our ancient past and whether it is like the Mayan calendar is and that we're going through these different epochs and this could be the fourth or fifth uh, go around through the Mayan calendar sort of uh, type of theory that's out there and that we've already done this. And then this is over in the fourth cycle, golden, silver, bronze uh, cycle of the, I think it's 26,500 years, I believe what it is. And we're sort of halfway through uh, this one epoch there. Uh, the story is about how life has sort of progressed from where we are. and you have to sort of always ask the question why is that what they had for us in school was that we uh this one celled organism diversified then went off its different ways and then monkey into man caveman then into man with huge gaps missing in uh, the timeline and same with our history too as well with our written history of what we have uh, going back, we have uh, lots of missing gaps and our timelines uh, don't really line up with uh, stories and uh, and with uh, civilizations that have been unearthed in uh, the past uh, century or two or three. From but going back to even Egypt time, even with the uh, with the part with uh, the king's record and uh, of the years, like you got to also figure too, is that our calendar wasn't really. Uh, defined to what it is today um, to what it was back then so uh, matching up timelines what would be written in uh, in one text or ancient text there don't really correlate to uh, what we have here we can just sort of surmise and think about that uh, to sort of make and puzzle this sort of thing together so there's lots of theories out there and there's lots of uh, conspiracies out there about who's hiding this knowledge uh, what is the earth like if you get into the whole part with the conspiracy theory between the the globe earth and the flat earth or the hollow earth or there's many dimensions like it's all there's a whole bunch of questions on there and uh, I'm not here to convince you either which way or form or change your your way of thinking we're just going to go and look through uh, the different types of uh, stories that are out there and what exists there today and what we're finding there today and uh even stories that have uh, been uh, recent in the past and some uh, fic 
uh, fictitious stories that were written that sort of seem uh, similar to uh, stories that were reported to uh, later on. But even if you're looking at uh, how we were sort of taught in school, oh, it was up, up here in Canada anyways, is that they, they pushed this uh, evolution narrative. And uh, it was always, I always found it sort of uh, interesting and all sort of uh, hard to understand in a part was that, that we came from this simple, sim simplistic type of uh, human being that uh, traveled through to get to where we are now in our technology in this sort of, uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, this sort of uh, growth of learning through there. But if you look back at what we're finding there today is that the technology and the artistry of these ancient cultures that we are being unearthed even today is that they were a lot more sophisticated and uh, did a, a lot of things that we can't even understand today. Like if you even look at the, how they built the pyramids, there's still lots of discussion on that. Uh, the age of the Sphinx. And I know there's a discussion on that about how old that really is. And uh, even uh, what's even buried underneath the pyramids there too as well. And uh, who's, uh, stopping that sort of uh that more of that exploration i know with the the sphinx i've watched a few documentaries and that i know that uh robert shock a geologist had said that uh or had surmised in his stuff is that there was actually the sphinx is eroded by water erosion and it wasn't by sand erosion which changes timelines <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> and uh it changes a lot of parts of our history and we're finding that today is that with this new discoveries or that are coming out is that uh, what we were taught beforehand might not necessarily be uh, actually correct and uh, that's the the part that I guess I've sort of mentioned that before is that uh, with my interest in learning about the past to understand the present to see the future or to understand the future or where we're going and like it, the the classic uh phrase always that uh, if you don't understand your past you're or you always re, you always will repeat your past by not learning from it and uh that also comes into <clears throat> i guess the part there is about what what actually happened back then are some of these stories sort of true and uh, i'm sort of like a little bit on the fence about what it what it is like uh like I said, like I, I believe in God. I'm sort of the more in the creationist part of you, but also scientific. I think there's a lot of stuff that we don't understand. And uh, there's a lot of uh, different religions and cultures that do believe in these stories. And I think there might be a semblance of truth to, uh, not that it's all true, but there might be a semblance of truth to some of the past stories that are that have been passed down. So, if you look back at uh, one of the earliest stories that we have that uh, with the Sumerian uh, uh, templates there that was written in uh, cuneiform, you have this uh, story of Gilgamesh. And you also have the story there in the Old Testament too about uh, fallen angels that came down to uh, earth and uh, mated with women there too as well and uh, created uh, uh, these half angel human hybrids, Nephilim, uh, giants, gods, and they're all written in the Old Testament as well. And there's talks about that, but it's also written in the Sumerian text too. 
and uh, also in uh, in the Egyptian text, there about uh, hybrids, and also in uh, Australian the Aboriginals there they they have stories of hybrids. Same within Africa and in South America and in China, and there's sort of this commonality even in India over there and all through Eurasia, uh, basically all across the globe and every different continent. Uh, you have these sort of uh, similar stories of somebody came down or somebody appeared or somebody came through portal or came up through uh, the ground, whether it was uh, from another city that was underneath the earth or came from another planet or another dimension. They're all sort of similar, but they, in a way, they, they taught uh, primitive man uh, well, then I'm not saying back to caveman time, but uh, primitive in a way that uh, technology-wise taught them uh, different skills that uh, they didn't have, which sort of jump-started or progressed at a rapid rate. And that's the part that is sort of lost in, in, in the talking about history, uh, is that how did, say, the Egyptians, in a way, build the pyramids that they did? and moving these great massive stones, cutting these stones, cutting intricate patterns into the stones, using advanced mathematics, and uh, the, even with lining up uh, the, the pyramids and other structures throughout the earth in the different countries all lined up on this north-south sort of uh, uh, direction. And, uh, and, and over in, also in, uh, in South America and uh, Central America, with the uh, Mayan Aztecs and Incans with all their temples and over in, uh, uh, you have with the giant statues in Christmas Island and uh, they're finding pyramids all over the world. Golbeki uh, Tepe there, they're finding with uh, advanced mathematics and carving and moving huge amounts of stone and uh, obelisks, a big, huge, uh, uh, multi-toned uh, stone movement with uh, simple machines. And you figure, what, what did we have there? If you learned that back in science, you had uh, six simple machines. You had the, the screw, the inclined plane, the lever, the pulley, I think it was a pulley, uh, whatever, there was six of them. You get my drift anyways. Uh, they didn't have the sort of the, the cranes and the hydraulic uh, mechanisms and machinery that we have today that uh, we'd have a, a even if we were able to even to move one of those stones uh, at this uh, time in our uh, timeline here today would be with uh, immense uh, troubling troubled engineering and so if you go back through time they always talk about all these stories about somebody coming down or going into the earth or coming to the earth. And so even if you go back into that earliest part of the, the Sumerian text, uh, you have that story of uh, Gilgamesh. And uh, he was a sort of a half God, half human hybrid giant type of person. And his uh, buddy uh, that he ends up uh, running into her uh, Enkidu. And uh, they deal with uh, uh, bunch of little tales and stories there of uh, going off and uh, fighting demons on the earth and large uh, mythical trees and different types of creatures 
that uh, don't exist now today anyways, or if they did or didn't, um, to say if they did or didn't anyways. But uh, they had, uh, this is all written down in these ancient texts and was passed on. And this is all that gets passed up to this part in history that we have. That's the only stuff that we have written text left to uh, sort of look at what their sort of mindset or what they were thinking and what they had in their area, what was described. And uh, I guess besides like the Library of Alexandria that burnt down that was supposed to hold uh, history uh, before of ancient times, which uh, no longer exists when that was raided and burnt to the ground or whatever was salvaged out of there, who knows where that stuff is or if it still even exists or is still buried somewhere uh, underneath the ground in some cave somewhere. Like you gotta have to figure with uh, what we have here with our earth, we have a radius of the earth is about 4,000 miles. And uh, the furthest that we've ever drilled was a drill point down into the earth about six miles, I guess 12 kilometers it would be. And that was in uh, Russia, the, the deep drill. And uh, they got down so far that it got so hot. And then they were, I guess, reported in that part is that they were hearing screams and moans. So they thought they were drilling down into uh, the bowels of earth, down into hell. But uh, I guess it got so hot there with their drilling that uh, they just couldn't uh, go anymore. They guess they were melting equipment. And so that was the, the deepest we've ever drilled. But uh, even uh, properties alone, uh, are not properties, I mean, uh, down in the Marianas Trench, I think that goes down about uh, five miles or six miles close to that. So you're looking about as well, another deep spot in the earth that uh, we don't travel down and don't explore. And uh, the surface of the earth itself, uh, we've, uh, besides what's been uh, recorded through uh, with uh, satellite mapping and that, but we really haven't uh, explored this uh, whole earth and uh, what it is. Like, I think there was, uh, I had written down there before, or I might've mentioned it. Uh, if I did write it down, I can't remember what the actual uh, square footage of uh, what the earth was it might not have it here but it's it's huge <laughs> anyways i think what it works out to is that for the 7.6 billion people that's on the earth there that uh everybody could have uh 280 square meter which would be uh what does that come out to uh just over a an eighth of a mile squared uh area that everybody could occupy and you got to figure how big that is so you're looking just under a quarter mile square and everybody could have their area so if figure how much that is and uh how much that <laughs> real estate that is and what you could actually hide on there <laughs> if it was uh if it was on a hill you could hide a doorway and that's where i guess a lot of these sort of things come into uh affect there uh, with these parts of uh the, the stories of these hidden earths. So getting back to Gilgamesh, sorry, I go off on tangents there a lot of times there. But anyway, so with Gilgamesh, the story was him is that his buddy uh, Enkidu uh, had fallen and was uh, dying. So he went off to go down and uh, meet the gods and goddesses uh, in the underground. So he traveled off to the east and he came to a mountain, a mountain range 
with the doorway and he traveled, uh, I think it was for uh, 12 days or something like that. And many, many uh, miles underground and uh, came out and he went and met with the gods and tried to find something that he could uh, resuscitate his friend and uh, bring him back to life to heal him. I can't remember if he was dead or not, but anyways, but there was a huge civilization where the gods had gone underground. Now, this all comes down there. This is, uh, I believe, is a pre-flood uh, stories because there is a story that comes in there with the Gilgamesh and that timeline that sort of matches up with the, the flood that is recorded in the Bible with uh, Noah there too as well. Now, whether they're similar, the same flood or the story is taken from each other. See, this is the whole part when it comes with history is that what we were told in history is what, I guess, what the the popular or what was given to us. And that's what was sort of uh, programmed to us. And we regurgitated all through school. Now, whether or not uh, that history was entirely correct, but it was one group of people's idea of what it is. And that's what we had. So getting back to the part there where I jumped off there earlier about uh, with the story uh, that we had with evolution from the one cell up to the man there today is that we were so simple at the time, but we were, they had the stories talk about advanced cultures and advanced uh, people and different people and different animals and creatures that are out there. So if you look at that part there, or what, what that story was with giants and they had different creatures and demons and stuff like that, you get into the parts of uh, with... <clears throat> Uh, King Solomon in the Bible, he talks about with uh, different layers of heaven or earth and a hell above, uh, present and below. And I guess this is the part that you get the, these flat earthers, they're talking about this uh, firmament of this above. And I won't get too much into the flat earth thing there. I'm still, a, I'm a, a globist or a geoidist or whatever you want to say. I think the earth is cylindrical or roundish. It's uh, not a perfect sphere like uh, you get on your computer screen, but uh, it is cylindrical and in my belief. And then you get into the stories of, uh, of the, the hollow earth. And uh, I think it was uh, Edmund Haley, the guy that, uh, that uh, founded uh, or found uh, Haley's comment there. He had come up with uh a theory that the the earth had many many layers it was a many layered earth and uh there could have been another civilization down in the layer beneath so getting to the part there what i was saying there with our earth the radius of the earth is about four thousand miles we've only drilled down about six miles uh i think it was six miles it might have been 12 miles but i think it was six miles and uh the Earth's crust is anywhere from 20 to 50 miles uh, deep. So there's still a lot of uh, area. This is almost like about 44 miles of underground Earth before you get down into liquid uh, mantle cores, uh, which are theory, that's what they're supposed to be down there. But we're finding like huge cave systems today, which, uh, which, uh, are showing up, they're finding them all over the world. And even, <laughs> we're even building large cave systems uh, under the ground. Like if you, I'll, I'll get into that part there anyways, a, in a little bit, but anyways, but so you had Edmund Haley, 
he he had this theory that uh, our Earth was a multi-layered uh, Earth, and then uh, Leonard Hewler, uh, he had uh, come up with the theory that uh, it was like a donut. Uh, the Earth uh, was a uh, hollow with uh, some sort of uh, sun at the center or light source at the center, which heated up in there. So there was a story there. Uh, you, you have about. Uh, Admiral Byrd, but before that story, if uh, I go there, uh, there was a story in uh, 1906, and uh, if I get his name correctly right here, um, I believe his name was uh, George, uh, let me see if I got this here, oh, sorry about that, uh, doo -doo -doo -doo. Uh, George Henderson, uh, it was uh, the the book was uh, an adventure uh, fiction book. It was called uh, the Smoky God or uh, Voyage to the Inner Earth, and it was about uh, a character uh, Olaf Jansen and his father. They leave Nor uh, the Norwegian uh, fishing grounds and they traveled north, and they uh, encounter a race of uh, twelve foot high male giants, which uh, take them. Uh, uh, further north into uh, and they go into this hole through the top of the earth and uh, they spend two years inside this uh, hollow earth and they have what the, the smoky god which is referred to as their sun heating source and uh, in the story there's uh, technology there's cars monorail uh, what else was down there uh, um, they had Giants with uh, huge long lifespans. They had electricity, monorails, uh, gold, lots of buildings. They were technology savvy. They had uh, other vehicles too as well. And uh, they had uh, a huge history of knowledge down there. And these uh, two people, uh, Olaf Jensen and his father, they studied there for two years. And then uh, at the end of the two years, they decided they wanted to go back to her so they exchanged information in the story about what was going on on the surface and they learned everything there and they took back all this information with them coming back but when they came back they came back through Antarctica and uh, through that they hit a big storm and uh, they lost all the information as the story goes in the book and uh, through that they that's how the story goes uh, about this uh, race that lived under the ground now there was a another person that had said that uh he had um, met or encountered uh a strange phenomenon that was that uh admiral bird and uh he had done an expedition up in 1926 up to the arctic and uh he had done another one down into the antarctic and uh in the arctic he had found uh an area where there was no more snow and vegetation and uh, he also encountered uh, a group of people up there that were uh, far uh, superior technology and uh, I'll read there a little bit about his uh, diary and his flight log and uh, what it what it what had happened with him and he had relayed this uh, story to uh, oh yeah the smoky god George Emmer Willis George Emerson, The Smoky God, if you want to check out that book. And uh, 
he had relayed some of ancient uh, Admiral Byrd to uh, his uh, friend uh, Sylvia Darvell, and she had written about this is that uh, he had confided in her about this story of what he actually saw and what he was told by the government what after he had uh, relayed this information uh, to the government of who he encountered and what he saw he was told to keep quiet about it but he'd uh, ended up uh, telling his friend and next because uh, I guess uh, no way he just needed to get this sort of this story out there but uh, there is a book that was out there uh, which is uh, the diary of uh, Admiral Byrd where he uh, discusses and he he uh, documents down into uh, a flight log of uh, what he had encountered uh, when he went up north and uh, we all know the story later on about the Operation High Jump when he went down south and then he encountered uh, uh, flying ships and there was a war down there so the story goes but uh, whether or not that's true or not or if that was just uh, wag the dog uh, military uh, from uh, stuff because you also got to figure this is back in the 1900s after World War One and Two, and uh, just to keep people away and uh, to have this story for uh, <clears throat> the other figures that you had the Cold War that happened later on but uh, they want to protect the North Pole from the Russians coming over and uh, blowing up the Americans and uh, Canadians in uh, North America and uh, whether or not this was all just a story to say why they were traveling down and trying to secure these locations. But anyways, in the story with uh, Admiral Byrd, which is sort of, it, I found it sort of sim not similar, but I guess in a way it is, uh, he's flying in a plane and where uh, Jansen in the fictitious story in 1906, which happened uh, 20 plus years earlier, uh, they were by boat and they encountered people. But uh, a little bit about the bird part is that uh, he, he talks about uh, as he was leaving there uh, on, uh, I think it was February 19th uh, at 6 a.m. And he flies north. Uh, I'll just sort of skim through this really quick there. And he's talking back and forth with uh, radio camp. And uh, he's flying by magnetic and gyro compasses and uh, he's flying and taking bearings with the sun compass. And then after a little while, uh, do, 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 sorry, I didn't, I, I didn't uh, highlight this. I, <laughs> I did have it highlighted, but I hit the button and uh, now I sort of uh, missed it there. So after around 10 o'clock, uh, he comes into uh He's flying over snow. He comes over a mountain range and he hits into a, a valley with a, re, uh, with a small river and stream running through it. And there's a, there's, there's a green valley. And, uh, well, we all know about what's up at the North Pole is that there's lots of snow and ice. And uh, Antarctica, there's a continent and it's all covered in two miles thick of ice and stuff like that. So there should not be any area where there's... Uh, heat or green vegetation anywhere like even when you leave here i've worked in the bush many times and worked up in uh, northern saskatchewan northern ontario and you hit the tree line and everything sort of uh, dissipates down no more trees and you're left with a uh, lichen and mosses and stuff like that so to get into a, a green valley up in the middle of the arctic is uh, sort of uh, an oddity and this is i guess where it comes into the conspiracy part 
is uh, with uh, Google Earth, and there's a lot of people online, and you can follow all these people, and you can find all these stories. Uh, everybody has their theory on it, but with uh, the satellites going over, is that uh, the conspiracy part of it is that there is no actual real, um, I guess you would say, satellite data, uh, ground data of the North Pole and or places in our Antarctica. And I know it was at NASA had also said there a couple of years ago with uh, um, Antarctica is that there was a super high gravity field at the bottom, whether or not this is just a produced story by NASA or not, but uh, just a weird sort of uh, anomalies. And there is no, there's sort of a blank spot with uh, the satellite image, whether that's blocked out. And we already know anyways, or we don't know, but uh, we, we can see with Google Earth, there's a lot of areas on Google Earth, which are uh, sort of uh, fuzzed out or not blacked out or just fuzzed out where you don't actually get a clear picture of that area. So the, one of the part of the conspiracies is, is that uh, the area up at the North Pole is uh, there is no real satellite data that shows that it's sort of all fuzzy and lines sort of uh, cross over and that and that they believe that uh, with some whatever government agency or NASA or uh, world government is that they, they're keeping this stuff or these areas hidden because there is something up there. Now, whether or not that's true, uh, I really don't know, but anything's possible. And uh, that's the whole thing about having possibilities to keep an open mind. I don't discount anything, but uh, I skeptically uh, uh, sort of a waiver on uh, whether or not stuff is true unless I can prove it myself but it's just a story anyways of uh, what's going on at the North Pole but anyways with getting back see another tangent so anyways getting back to uh, Admiral Byrd so he'd come up there and he's flying along and uh, he uh, goes over these mountain slopes and uh, his navigation and his gyroscopes, they all start uh, going all wonky on him and uh, screwing up. And uh, he sees whatever greenery up in the North Pole. And then uh, he uh, he starts uh, seeing grass and the, the light up at the North Pole seems a little bit different and he can't see the sun anymore. This is all in his diary. Now, whether or not this is... Uh, uh, a wag the dog or a sort of fictitious type of diary, but it's uh, there's lots of questions about this diary, whether or not it's actually true or not. But uh, as I said before, this Siv Sylvia Duval, uh, Darvel, a uh, friend of uh, Bird's, had uh, said that she was told the exact same thing. So whether or not this is true or not, we don't know. But anyways, so he goes over there and he, he keeps on flying. He doesn't see the sun anymore. And he starts uh, circling, going different directions to figure out where he is. And then he sees an elephant up at the North Pole. And then it, he finds out, oh, it's more like a mammoth. And they're looking at binoculars and uh, they see it. They, they confirm, yes, it really is a, a mammoth. And they're trying to contact back to uh, base camp, but now they've lost uh, radio contact. And... Uh, all of a sudden over the radio and they get a, a Nordic Germanic accent in the message. Welcome out Admiral to our domain. We shall land you in the exactly seven minutes. Relax Admiral, you're in good hands. And uh, the engine stopped running and uh, 
the plane gets taken over by some sort of uh, tractor beam control, you could sort of say. And uh, they're landed, and uh, several men come to their aircraft, and uh, they're all tall with blonde hair. So this gets into the part about talking about if you get into the alien stuff about the Norwegians or the the, the tall blonde-haired aliens that are on the planet. So anyways, they come there and uh, he sees a large shimmering light with rainbow hues colors and uh, doesn't know what's happening and he sees no weapons. And everybody uh, oh, says there... I hear a voice now ordering my name to open the carbo, cargo uh, door and I comply. From this uh, point, he writes, uh, the following stuff is all by memory and it sort of defies uh, the imagination. It almost seems like madness. Uh, uh, Assume we arrive at a large building that is a type I have never seen before. It appears to be right out of a design board from Frank, Frank Lloyd Wright, or perhaps correct, or the Buck Rogers setting. We're given some type of warm beverage, which tastes like nothing I've ever had before. After 10 minutes, two of our wondrous hosts come to our quarters, announced I am to accompany them. I have no choice to comply. We descend downwards for moments, machine stops, door. So they have, there's uh, machinery, technology, stuff that's way, way ahead. So basically, uh, the story goes on to say is that, uh, Hey, we're aware of uh, everything that's uh, going on uh, with the world out there, with your world wars and stuff like that. And I think this is after uh, uh, your technology, you're going to damage the planet. You guys got to stop what you're doing, basically. And uh, <laughs> and uh, go back and uh, tell them what it is. I said, uh, and uh, what they were saying, uh, do do sorry. Then there was a talk talked about in uh, 1940 after after we tried to contact your race, but in efforts we were met with hostility. Our flutograds, which were their spaceships, uh, were met with. Uh, see, this is where it gets a little bit weird because when uh, the part of the story is is that he saw this back in 1926, but then is the story says that this is a log from 1946, so which would have been the. Uh, stuff that happened with uh, Operation High Jump. Anyway, so his story goes on to is that they encountered some beings up there in a stuff just like uh, in that uh, the story, the Smoky God. And uh, they live inside of this uh, hollow earth. <clears throat> so in other parts of the stories there you have you have in the in the Odin, uh, Thor sort of stories with Asgard and uh, Yggdrasil, the tree of life. You have uh, this uh, dimensional uh, levels of uh, place. You have Asgard, Midgard, where I guess we're supposed to be. And uh, Marvel Comics and DC Comics have sort of taken on this this, uh, story and uh, put it into cartoon form and uh, storyboard form. But those, that's all ancient history. Uh, that has been passed down through ancient times about these gods that are there that uh, interacted with human beings and helped us and we gained uh, technology and uh, and uh, knowledge from them. And uh, there's other uh, hidden places that are 
have been talked about besides the Gilgamesh one you have there with uh, the Norse you have with uh, even in uh, the Christianity you have the, the heaven earth and hell uh, part whether that's a uh, dimensional or not or in uh, some cultures is that uh, you have these areas which are doorways or stargates you have this uh, one place there uh, in uh, Sedona Arizona the Red Rock Stargate. It uh, creates a vortex to another dimension, uh, the doorway to the gods. You have in Bolivia, in uh, Tiwanaku uh, City, uh, the Gate of the Sun of the god Viracocha. And so you're seeing that you're going to have stuff there. You have Potbilly Hill in southeast Turkey, Gobeki Tepe, there's the ring structurals, portals to the sky world, Stonehenge, and you have that, the ring structure, and whether or not that's a, a portal or a clock or some sort of marking system with a way lines and that, but that's been passed down through the Druids and then through English mythology and that. And then also you have these uh, type of... Uh, stories that uh, delve with uh, the types of creature, creatures and stuff like that. You have it in the, in the East Indian culture, you had it with uh, uh, Rama and with the, then you had the gods like Shiva and uh, all the rest of those ones there. And they dealt with uh, jinn genies, which would have been, uh, I guess if you put them in comparison to uh, fallen angels or, or demons or entities or whatever uh, interacting with uh, humans but living in caves or structures or temples uh, underneath underneath the ground and uh, you have even with uh, over in uh, uh, South America we have uh, they're, they're, they found uh, with their temples and pyramids and their talk of uh, sky gods they have the fire serpent god which they sacrifice people to and with uh, blood offerings and that, and eating, and with uh, hearts and stuff like that. But they found with uh, with uh, the continent there, they have these things, uh, cenotes and uh, sinkholes, and the uh, hollowed-out areas of huge tunnels uh, underneath uh, what's on on top of the earth. And they're finding all this stuff uh, now today, even with uh, Egypt as well. And uh, they found. Uh, or is reported to have been is that underneath the Sphinx and underneath that whole part of the pyramids is that there's a vast array of, uh, of uh, corridors and temples and uh, rooms for vast amounts with other types of uh, hidden uh, treasures and, uh, and information that's down underneath there. And that's, uh, written about and it's been leaked out about and now whether or not this is true but this is a thing that ends up happening I've noticed too is that with uh, history and with any type that deals with uh, uh, archaeology when you find ancient uh, sites and you uncover them on your own or a group or a foundation does this is that uh, the government steps in and they oversee this and whether or not they release the information and it happens even with uh, shipwrecks and uh anything any anything ancient even here in Canada when people are when the road construction is going on and they come across a native uh, uh, settlement like everything stops down there and then archaeology crews are brought in and they go and record that but the government has control of that that's not all independent 
you might have to pay for it independently to originally do it, but then it's all overseen by some sort of uh, government uh, uh, entity or government, uh, uh, whatever you want to call that, uh, organization there. And, and uh, you see this through the past too, as well as that, uh, even with when the, the pyramids were raided and the, and the tombs and stuff like that over in Egypt area, and it, all through the world, uh, uh, ancient uh, places that have been raided for the gold and artifacts and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of the history has been uh, sort of uh, destroyed or misplaced or has been sold in uh, different markets and or is hidden away in uh, government installations or in church uh, organizations. I believe it was the the uh, the Royal Museum in England is they have like 6,000 temp uh, tablets that are just sitting in storage that they haven't even uh, looked at. They're just sitting there. They haven't had gone through in time. No one's scanned them yet, but that's all a history that somebody that could be there that could be solving other types of uh, information or could be giving us information on about what is the past. And that's the part that uh, sort of gets a little bit funny is that even the Vatican has a huge vault uh, the Vatican libraries and uh, they have textbooks and uh, ancient history that's down there that uh, they do not release to anybody. And uh, I guess what the, st the story goes with that is that you have to know what you're looking for and make a request. And uh, if it's there and if you are granted the request to even view that material, if they have it there or if not, they don't tell you whether or not it is there or not. That's the only thing you get to look at. You don't get to go through and uh, like you would at your regular public library and just go through every sort of book. But uh, that's just all sort of uh, history that's there. So you don't know what's sort of real that's in the past what has been sort of hidden. There was talks there that they found uh, Egyptian caves in the, the Grand Canyon area and the Smiths, uh, sorry, the Smithsonian uh, came in and uh, locked that place up and uh, uh, carted everything out and uh, basically uh, voided anybody from going in there. And you see that a lot through uh, different places in uh, around the world where uh, there'll be a discovery of something and uh, that could be ancient and a government uh, agency of that country will come in and uh, seize control of it. And uh, that information or that uh, stuff that's there that uh, could tell a story of the past or corroborate something is uh, gone and it's hidden up. Now that's the part of the conspiracy is that are they hiding something or are they not? Uh, that's all, uh, I guess, uh, up to you to sort of decide in that to me I, I just think it's wrong anyways I just think anything that's uh fair fair use that's here on the planet should be should be open to anybody to view and see it shouldn't be held in uh behind closed doors no matter what it is but that's the part that comes into conspiracy is who is actually in control of uh what's going on here on on this earth so I was getting into the part is that uh there, there's been from ancient times that we've had a lot of stuff that uh, is underground and uh, whatever the civilization was before, however you want to view what it was, is that ancient civilizations also built in ground because actually it was for safety, for store, storage. It was basically a home, right? You have rock covering you. It's a lot better than having uh, wood sticks or brush around you and you had sort of protection. And uh it's been going on where they've tunneled down and uh, 
for mining stuff to get uh, precious metals and uh, and just metal out of the ground. And uh, ancient uh, uh, cultures have been doing that for many, many, many times, or many, many years and many times. Like uh, you have that uh, Walenska salt mine in Poland. Uh, the uh, they actually built a little city down there. There's a bar, there's a church, there's a cemetery underground. And it's like, uh, what is it about almost two miles of tunnels and buildings underneath there where people are And uh, Beijing, China, they built almost a whole huge city underground. It's uh, 85 square kilometers. I guess it would be about 50 miles squared. And that was all built uh, because of uh, the threat of nuclear war. And so that's all underground. Like we, we've continued to build underground and will continue to. In China, there's huge amounts of uh, uh, tunnel structures that, uh, they, that have been sort of bored out that are from ancient times and they have no clue how these ancient peoples cut the stone and cut out these caverns. And you can see the actual milling process of how the it was sort of cut out of there. but. It's something that uh, they wouldn't have had that we don't even have today. You need to figure for it to cut stone, you need some sort of uh, stuff like a diamond cut, uh, diamond uh, encrusted blades or uh, some type of uh, heavy, uh, hard, uh, aggressive uh, sanding uh, metal to, uh, to cut through these hard, hard stones. They figure even with the stuff that's at the pyramid, when you're cutting through uh, onyx and uh, these type types of granite and that uh, they weren't doing it with uh, copper tools and uh, whether or not they were using sort of other technologies that they've heard uh, with uh, vibrations, sound, electricity. These are all things that we don't know about. And uh, I think with our history is that we still don't know about that. And we've just made speculations on them. And we've sort of taught uh, our kids growing up as of uh, this one sort of theory and we're finding out that those theories might not actually be true that our history of how things came to be might not actually be what we've been programmed to learn in school and regurgitate later in life and uh that's the one big thing that i sort of i've mentioned before there is i have a real problem with the way that the school system teaches stuff i think there's a uh the way the the curriculum of what they've done there for for sort of history i think is uh been uh, poorly um taught to our kids like i think it's good for teaching for maths and sciences and stuff like that uh but uh just theories i you gotta remember theories and fact it's it's just a theory so to teach them as uh, actual fact and to base uh other things off of them, uh, you have to always raise your eyebrow at those things there. But uh, other cities anyways that uh, we're building like uh, Amsterdam, the Canal City, they have a proposed uh, area to build underneath uh, Amsterdam and basically almost the whole stuff. Uh, Cooper Petty in Australia, the Opal Mine, they have a huge uh, living structure that they build underneath there because uh, the surface of the ground is uh, too hot. And you got to figure is that the best way you got to figure even the U.S. government is probably uh, building huge uh, structures under the ground. You have these uh, tunnel boring machines like the one I mentioned there before. 
that's going on in uh, Norway where they're building uh, the roadway from the south to the north going underground about 380 meter, uh, meters underground connecting going underneath water structures through mountains and uh, like the, we have these machines these there's the big dig I believe it's in Boston where they're tunneling a road system underneath the city uh, you have uh, where else is there uh, there was one, there was a Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, where they were a whole bunch, they, back in uh, Prohibition time uh, with uh, immigrate, immigrants, they had uh, built a huge city underneath uh, underneath there to sort of hide them away from uh, the Prohibition and uh, the, the crazy tax laws. And then I believe the story goes on there, they were trying to connect it to Chicago so they could uh, run a Prohibition uh, alcohol between Canada and the U.S., which would be actually quite a quite a distance here if you figure where Saskatchewan is to Chicago, Illinois. But uh, even in Montreal, there's a huge uh, underground network. Same with Toronto in the PATH system. You could actually be underground and go into the subway to your house, to your job, and never, ever, ever uh, come above uh, street level. Uh, you have uh, Tunisia, the Madu Madu, that was uh, used in... Uh, the Star Wars as uh, Luke's home there, there was a huge, uh, even the government didn't even know in uh, Tunisia that there was a huge population of people living in these underground dirt homes and they didn't find out about the amount of people that were down there until after there was a, a bad uh, system of rains and floods where a bunch of the uh, underground structures had been ruined and then they found out that there was actually a huge population. Uh, there was uh, in a during Kuyu, Turkey, uh, they believed uh, it was built back in the 8th century. There's a uh, huge shafts and tunneling system into the ground and the rock that uh, bored through and they had enough to hold up to about 20,000 people and livestock with uh, water functions and stuff like that. So there's lots of stuff that we've been doing underground uh, for, <laughs> for a long time. And... Uh, there's uh, even with this uh, new technology that we're finding today, finding that uh, with this uh, LIDAR radar, which can cut through vegetation, as I said before, and uh, with the sonar and uh, all the different uh, technology we have now, we're finding more and more structures that are underground that will hopefully bring uh, more information into how our ancient history came to be and maybe fill in some of the gaps and i think that's a, a great idea anyways to find out what happened like there's stuff there they might have already found uh, where atlantis is up in uh, northern africa of how with uh, the water system that partially that the sahara desert was actually vegetation a whole bunch of different things like that different uh, rabbit holes and things to look at uh, around the world so basically out of that is that you had to figure through history we've dealt with stuff that's above ground and there's been stories of stuff that's underground some of it could be true some of it could not be true some of it I, I think there's a little bit of truth in in everything and we today we continue to uh, follow that sort of the same thing as we are also building underneath ground and whether or not it's for protection to hide stuff because no one's going to see from satellite above. So the best place to be is underground if you're trying to uh, 
keep whatever you're doing is secret. And that's where the conspiracy comes in to what uh, uh, the government in the U.S. is doing there. They believe that they have huge road systems and uh, bases all connected up underneath the ground and uh, factories and labs and stuff like that. And whether or not that's true or not, well, that's a conspiracy for another day. Anyways, uh, everybody have a great night there. And uh, thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Honey, it's our favorite time of year. And I got you something to celebrate. <gasps> a McRib? It's just what I wanted. Happy McRib season, sweetie. Mm, I love you. I love you too. Actually, I was talking to my McRib. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I'll leave you two alone. Right now, enjoy a McRib meal and get another tasty McRib sandwich for just a dollar. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.